Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your man, Uncle Dub, and it's time for episode 116 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. You know where to find me, Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Let's start with college basketball. Really good stuff on Thursday night here. Let's start on the women's side. Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets, the Ramblin' Wreck, they beat UConn at home. So you beat UConn at McCamish Pavilion in Atlanta. 57 to 44. Now, this loss is significant. This loss for UConn breaks their 239 game win streak versus unranked opponents. The last time UConn lost a game, uh, this is what, 2012. They lost a one point game to St. John's in 2012. Also, this is the lowest scoring game for UConn since they lost to Rutgers in 2006. They lost that game 48 to 42. Um, some other pieces to think about. Remember that UConn is without Paige Beckers. They're without AZ Fudd um, and uh, uh, Mule. I forgot her her first name. However, Georgia Tech outscored them 18 to five in the fourth quarter. Now that's without Paige Beckers. Now South Carolina in the matchup uh, in the Battle for Atlantis. Uh, they only got three points in the fourth quarter versus South Carolina, and that's with their stars. So Georgia Tech did a really good job of just crashing the boards. They did a really good job of taking advantage of second-chance points. Um, you know, Gino Arama, he's, you know, in his press conference, he was basically very like, you know, look, you know, I'm a realist. This team doesn't look really good right now. You know, he goes, myself and the coaching staff, we've got to do a lot of work to try to get this team to a level because, as he said, you know, he doesn't like the way this team looks without Paige Beckers. And rightfully so, fair statement. Um, you know, she creates shots. She makes things happen. Um, you know, for me and watching this game, um, you know, UConn didn't look bad, but they did look a little and, and kind of to borrow some words or sort of borrow some words or kind of to paraphrase uh, Coach or Emma, they looked a little discombobulated, a little bit, not not too badly, but the other thing too, the shots weren't falling either. They they weren't hitting a lot of shots, and of course, you know, got to make shots, got to rebound, and, and and Georgia Tech got a lot of a uh, lot of defensive rebounds. They, they you know they just made it look really easy. I mean, Tech's got a really good team. They've got size. They've got shooters. I mean, this is probably a team that's probably. Not a lot of people are really paying attention to. They were NCAA team last season, but here's a team that I don't think anyone's paying a lot of attention to, and they could make a little noise in ACC. I mean, look, there are people who, and and maybe I'm losing my mind here, but there are people who didn't think that Duke would make noise in ACC this year, and I'm going to argue crazy. Have you seen the type of talent that transferred in, the type of talent that you know, was coming uh, from the high school ranks and the type of talent they're bringing back. Are you not looking at this team? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, everyone's focused on NC State, rightfully so. Everyone's focused on Louisville, rightfully so. But I think that Duke team, I think, again, they're going to make some noise in the conference. Um, you know, Florida State's going to be good. But I think Georgia Tech is going to surprise a few people before this thing's all over. They've got a veteran coach in Neil Fortner. So, again, here we go. Um, it's about to get really interesting and spicy. 
uh, in the ACC and in and in women's college basketball. As, as I said, when this you know at the end of last season, I said I think the storylines in women's basketball are going to be much more compelling than the storylines in men's basketball. That's my story. I'm sticking to it, and I still say that. And I will. Well, I'm not going to die on a hill, but you know it's still early. But I think the season's going to get much better. You've seen all the the movement there's been uh, in the top 10 in the top 25 in general but in the top 10 there's been a lot of a lot of movement and with that said um, you know we still got more to go as teams get into conference play on the men's side whew, it continues to get better number 23 Seton Hall beats number 7 Texas 64 to 60 so for Seton Hall this is their second win this season over a top 10 team they held Texas scoreless for the last seven minutes and 20 seconds of the game. So excellent defensive effort just to, you know, do everything that you can do to keep a, to keep a team off the boards. No second chance points. And, of course, the shots just weren't falling for Texas. Uh, for Seton Hall, this is their best start since the 2017-2018 season where they started 9-1. Seton Hall is currently 8-1. Um Seton Hall head coach Kevin Willard now ties with this win tonight. He has 212 wins as Seton Hall's head coach. He ties P.J. Carlissimo for second in school history. Um, Jared Roden, 18 points. Trey Mitchell, 19 points. 11 rebounds for Texas. Next up for Seton Hall, here's where it gets good, in-state rival Rutgers. You say, okay, big whoop-de-doo. Rutgers beat Purdue tonight. Rutgers upset number one Purdue, um, beat him at the buzzer. So Ron Harper Jr. hit the three, hit a three pointer as the as time expired. Ron Harper Jr. went for thirty points, ten rebounds, his career high, and you know just like his dad, just making big shots. And um, ESPN kind of gave a little history here. They said, well, this time in nineteen eighty four, um, Ron Harper scored thirty points in his game, and I believe. Uh, they beat Purdue. I'm thinking Miami of Ohio beat Purdue. So, I mean, whoo, kind of weird deja vu, isn't it? Um, so really good stuff tonight. Um, real quick, going back to the women's game, a lot of Maj Layton in 15 points for Georgia Tech. Kristen Williams led UConn with 13 points. Um, kind of staying with basketball, let's roll over to the WNBA real quick. Um, so the schedule, 36 games. Uh, in 2022, uh, the season will start on May 6th and will end the 14th of August. The playoffs will start afterwards. I believe that is in response to the FIBA World Championships. I think that will start in September. So we're trying to get everything kind of nice and compact um, so uh, those players can go play in for their respective teams, you know, for the teams who will be playing. The All-Star Game is July 10th. Commissioner's Cup is July 26th. Um, opening night, couple big matchups. Chicago plays Los Angeles, so uh, Candace Parker goes to Los Angeles to play her former team, and then a rematch of one of the semifinals from this past season, Phoenix versus Las Vegas. Um, now, some other notes: we know that the draft lottery is coming up, January fifteenth. Free agent negotiations negotiations can start. Free agents can begin signing with teams on February the first um oh also cheryl reeve of the minnesota lynx takes over as the head coach of usa basketball so for the last two 
uh, gold medal cycles, Olympics, and world championships. She was an assistant coach. Um, as we know, uh, Coach Reeve is a four-time WNBA champion. She's been to uh, six finals, four wins, and she's also been to finals and has championships as an assistant coach. So congratulations to her. Uh, you know, USA Basketball has always been and will continue to be in really good hands, and we know that Coach Reeve will do a, a great job. Um, also, head coaching. WNBA. So New York and Phoenix are looking for head coaches. Um, Sandy Brondello uh, uh, parts ways at Phoenix, um, and it's really crazy. So gets them to the finals. They don't win, and Phoenix and her decide to go their separate ways. Uh, as you know, she's the head coach of the Australian Opal, so she's um, you know doing that work right now. Um, Walt Hopkins parts ways with New York after two seasons. So the only input I have on this is for New York. Um, Teresa Weatherspoon, make it happen. There's your new head coach. Problem solved. Boom. Let, let's let's let, let's go ahead and just do that and just you know you know let's, let's go and keep that moving. How about that? Um, NFL Vikings thirty six twenty eight over the Steelers. Kirk Cousins goes fourteen for thirty one, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Dalvin Cook. 27 carries, 25 yards, two touchdowns for Minnesota. Ben Roethlisberger, 28 for 40, 308 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Pittsburgh, next up, Sunday, the 19th, 1 p.m. CBS. They uh, will host the uh, Tennessee Titans. So Tennessee Titans are 8-4. Pittsburgh is 6-6-1. Minnesota at 6-7. They go to Chicago. Chicago's 4-8 for a Monday night game on the 20th, 8-15 on ESPN and of course you know what happens on ESPN to those two guys <laughs> I don't know why I just I find their thing <laughs> a little bit weird yet entertaining not to ever watch I watch clips from time to time and go what the hell are these guys doing um some sad news to report from the NFL. Former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas was found dead at home. He was 33 years old, and I believe his birthday would have been on Christmas Day. Um, he retired from the NFL in June. Um, the preliminary report is potentially he uh, suffered a medical issue. So teammates, um, former teammates basically said that he had been suffering from seizures um, over a short certain period of time. So that's kind of the preliminary report. But of course, you know, they'll do an autopsy and we'll know for sure. Um, so 10 seasons in the league, 724 catches, 9,763 yards and 63 touchdowns. He played for Denver for nine seasons. He became the second leading receiver or was the second leading receiver uh, behind Rod Smith with 9,055 yards, third in catches behind Rod Smith and Shannon Sharp. Um, you know, very sad to see someone that young um, gone uh, way too soon. So rest in peace to Demarius Thomas, of uh, formerly of the Denver Broncos. All right, let's talk about... Um, these Heisman finalists, because there is one bit of news and notes from college football. Probably shouldn't surprise you. We'll get into it in a moment. The Heisman finalists. So as we said, there are four Heisman finalists. Uh, we'll start with Aiden Hutchinson. So he's the defensive end from Michigan. 
uh, his numbers or his, you know, his accolades for the year. He's the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, the Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year, first team All Big Ten, set the single season sack record at Michigan with 14. So with that number, he is third nationally in sacks. He had three of those sacks versus Ohio State and had 15.5 tackles for loss. If Hutchinson were to win the Heisman, he will be Michigan's fourth Heisman winner, second defensive winner, Charles Woodson in 97, of course, Desmond Howard in 91, and Tom Harmon in 1940. Kenny Pickett, quarterback, senior from Pittsburgh, and fourth-year starter. Pickett was named the ACC Player of the Year and the Offensive Player of the Year. He had 4,319 yards passing, 42 touchdowns, and 334 completions. So his 42 touchdowns was third nationally. And all those stats, passing touchdowns and completions, are all school records. Um, 42 touchdowns versus seven interceptions and about a 67.2 completion percentage uh, led UConn to an, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh rather, to an 11-2 record. They will play in the Peach Bowl versus Michigan State. Um, he also rushed for four touchdowns and had three 400-yard passing games. If he were to win, he would be the second winner from Pittsburgh. Tony Dorsett is the first. He won in 1976. Our third candidate, C.J. Stroud, redshirt freshman from Ohio State and a first-year starter. So the Buckeyes are 10-2 and two this year. His numbers, 280 of 395 for a 70% completion rate. Um, 3,862 yards passing. That is second in school history. 38 touchdowns against five interceptions. And his quarterback rating is 182.2, which is second nationally. Um, if he were to win, he will be Ohio State's eighth Heisman Trophy winner and the first since Troy Smith won it in 2006. Last candidate, Bryce Young. So Bryce Young, sophomore quarterback from Alabama and a first-year starter. His numbers, 314 of 462 for 68% completion rate, 4,322 yards. That is fourth nationally and 43 touchdowns, which is second nationally. Um, he also rushed for three touchdowns. He had three five-touchdown games. Alabama is 12-1. and one. Now, in addition to all of that, he is the AP College Football Player of the Year. Tonight, he won the Maxwell Award as a top player in college football, and he won the Davey O'Brien Award as top quarterback in college football. Um, if he were to win, that would make the first, that would have Alabama as having the first back-to-back -back winners uh, since Oklahoma had Baker Mayfield in 17, Colin Murray in 18. So, um, and again, Alabama's had had has had a slew of Heisman winners. I don't remember the numbers, how many they've had, but they've had quite a few. So in looking at this, um, I kind of have a, had this worked out a couple ways, but um, I really like Kenny Pickett. But typically the awards typically will kind of, you know, the Davey O'Brien and or, you know, the position awards and the uh, Maxwell Award typically kind of tilts your hand in many cases, not every case, in many cases to who is potentially going to win this thing. Um, 
I have it. Well, I'll tell you what I have, and, and I'm going to kind of self-correct. So I have Pickett, Hutchinson, Young, and Stroud in that order by a narrow margin. That's what I have. Now, in thinking about this, looking at how the awards came out, because I was thinking that this analysis, this rundown was going to happen much earlier prior to the announcement of these awards. But I also wrote down that if it were Young, Hutchinson, Pickett, and Stroud, it would make me believe that there would be too much emphasis on records. But after seeing, you know, sweeping those awards, AP Player of the Year, Maxwell Award, David O'Brien Award, I'm going to go more with uh, with Bryce Young winning it. Um, so I'm going to say Young, Stroud, Pickett, Hutchinson. So I'm going to say Young. I'm going to write this down. Young, Stroud. Young, Stroud, Pickett, one. Young, Stroud. I'm sorry, I'm writing Pickett, Hutchinson. I'm going to write it down in order. So that's my order. So I got Bryce Young winning it. CJ Stroud second. Kenny Pickett uh, third. And Hutchinson fourth. So I don't know why I wrote a five. So it'd be a three. Okay. All right, so when we come back, we're going to go into one of our little news and notes from college football. Again, something that shouldn't be a big surprise because, <laughs> you know, there's still a couple job openings out there. And if this goes the way it's looking like it might go, there's going to be another opening and that's going to cause another domino effect. This coaching uh, this coaching cycle, all the coaches moving, and it's just been crazy. I mean, I think Brian Kelly going to LSU was just mind blowing. Um, Lincoln Riley, USC, made sense to me. I, you know, at first I heard it going, "Wait, what?" But then I'm going, I, I can, I can totally see that. But this current move, <laughs> again, when I say it, the minute I say it. I say the school, and then the next thing you should think of would be X. Stay tuned.
All right, everybody, welcome back. So, news and notes. So, one news or one bit of news from college football. So, Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. Oregon has an open football job. So, who do you think Oregon's trying to get to fill that position? Wait for it. You know the answer. Yes, Oregon is trying to bring back Chip Kelly. Again, I told you, you're not going to be completely shocked about this. Um, so here's here's what's happening. So there's a bunch of names associated with this job. Uh, BYU's uh, Kilani Sitake. Um, there's one other name that's escaping right now. However, uh, Cal's head coach, Justin Wilcox, has, according to sources, has interviewed for the job. So Wilcox is a former Oregon player, former DB play for Oregon. He's currently head coach at Cal. Um, the thing that people have to try to justify if they go Wilcox direction is the record. So he's 26 and 28 in, uh, so he's been in Cal for about four years. So it's roughly about um, five, six wins. So he's averaging about six wins a season. Okay. Um, one and one in bowls. But um, Chip Kelly is in the final year of his contract. He's for, let's see, he has a $9 million buyout before January 15th. Uh, currently, UCLA is 8-4, and four and they are playing in a bowl game. So $9 million seems to be the magic number. So currently, Mario Cristobal owes Oregon $9 million. So why don't he just write a check to... I don't know if this is work. This will work. You you tell me how this logic works. He should write a check and send it to uh, Chip Kelly, <laughs> and Chip Kelly can then pay off. I don't know. Anyway, this is this is going to be a whole lot of money just flying around because not me in Oregon, not me UCLA, and everybody gets what they want. But nevertheless, um, that's kind of the plan right now. Um, before he went to the NFL. He was uh, Chip Kelly was at uh, Oregon for four years. He went forty six and seven. They won three Pac twelve titles. So, if this goes the way that most people think it's going to go, you know everything old is new again, and then UCLA is kind of back in a weird precarious position because it looked like okay UCLA was making the leap back. Now if Kelly darts back up north, then who takes over at UCLA and can they potentially keep the momentum going? Stay tuned. Anyway, let's talk about one final regular season game before we talk about bowl picks. And that would be the annual Army Navy game. So 3 p.m. CBS on Saturday from MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Army seven-point favorites versus Navy. I'm going to take Army. This game will be close. Army's already uh, sealed up uh, their holding of the Commander's Chief Trophy for yet another season when they beat Air Force earlier uh, a few weeks ago. So um, the goal, as with all with, with this game, you know, they call it America's game, that these service academies, they, you know, they have this spirited competition amongst each other. But at the end of the day, they're all on the same side. But um, if you watch the game, you know, if you watch the end of the game, it's the, okay, the team 
wants to win so they can sing their alma mater second. So it's the race to beat Army, or it's the race to beat Navy, and then it's the race to sing our alma mater second. So I'm going to go with the the cadets, the Black Knights, to take down the midshipmen. All right, so oh, deep breath in, deep breath out. So there's roughly about 30-odd, 30 30-some-odd 30 bowl games um, of these 30 games, you know, but there was a number of them that looked pretty interesting, but I'm only going to go pick about 16. So I'm going to run through my picks for the bowl games and see again how horribly I do <laughs> because it's bowl season. It, it, you know, just like the regular college football season, it's all going to be crazy. All right. So December 18th, we start with the cricket celebration bowl noon on ABC from Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta, South Carolina state versus Jackson state who are 11 and a half point favorites. Come on. You gotta go with Jackson state here. I'm going with Jackson state to win this game. Um, then 7.30 on ABC from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, uh, Utah State at Oregon State or versus your Oregon State. Oregon State are seven-point favorites. I'm going to take Utah State. Um, the way that they dismantled San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship game, I was like, this is unreal. Now, Oregon State is... An up-and-coming team I think it's going to be competitive I think this will be a competitive game I don't think I don't think Oregon State is going to get run out of run out of the stadium here at least I hope not but I think uh, Utah State is going to win this game all right December 21st uh, University of Texas San Antonio two and a half point favorites will play against the aforementioned 24th ranked Aztecs of San Diego State this is the Tropical Smoothie Frisco Bowl from Frisco, Texas, 7.30 on ESPN. Uh, I'm going to take UTSA, who are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, probably a close game as well. Um, but I don't know. San Diego State, they've been kind of up and down this season. I mean, they've been steady, then they hit a little bump. I mean, I think there's times I think I picked them and they lost. I think there's twice I picked them and lost. So are they my West Coast version of Texas? I don't know, but... I'm going to take UTSA in this one. Um, 28th of December, UCLA. So the aforementioned UCLA, they will play uh, NC State, who are the who are the one-point favorites in this game. This is the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. It used just to be the Holiday Bowl. Now they have to add five more words to it. And, and these bowls are funny because they all have some kind of weird sponsor or person. Now Jimmy Kimmel has a bowl, which how much money he paid for that. Um, that game is going to be 8 p.m. Fox from San Diego from Petco Park. Um, I didn't make a pick in this one. NC State are one-point favorites. I'm going I'm to take the Wolfpack here. Um, the Wolfpack, to me, they're that team that they're, um, I won't say surprising, um, great offense. Uh, Devin Leary is coming back next season. Um, they've always been a good defensive team, so I'm going to uh, take NC State over UCLA. Um, then 1015 that same evening, ESPN, the guaranteed rate bowl from Chase Field in Phoenix, West Virginia versus Minnesota, who are four point favorites. I'm going to take the Gophers here. Um, like I said, they've been rowing the boat and rowing the boat in the right direction. But that's the thing. They were so, so close to winning the Big Ten West. They just missed some opportunities. But again, something to learn from something to build on. And I'm sure that PJ Fleck is, you know, kind of 
tweaking some things to try to get this team, you know, on much more solid footing. All right, December 29th, Maryland versus Virginia Tech, who are one-point favorites, 215 on ESPN. This is the new era pinstripe bowl, Yankee Stadium in the Boogie Down Bronx. I'm going to take the Hokies over Maryland. Um, one point, I don't know. I think it's going to be a little bit more than one point. I mean, Maryland got bowl eligible, but, I mean, they're good, but they're not good. Like, they – most people thought on paper Maryland was much better than what they were. I looked at them and I go, eh, they're okay, but again, they play in the Big Ten. If they played in the ACC, maybe they'd be a little bit better from a you know from a wins and losses standpoint. But I'll take the Hokies over Maryland. Um, same day, the Cheez It Bowl, five forty-five on ESPN. That's from Orlando Camping World Stadium. Even the stadiums have long names. Well, we know this. Number nineteen, Clemson versus Iowa State. Um, I think the last time I checked the line, this game was even. I'm gonna take the the Cyclones over Clemson. I think the difference here is the run game of Iowa State. Now, Clemson was having a little bit of difficulty with the run game. Um, during the season, they had some injuries. They were missing some some key personnel, but I still think um, that run game uh, was it. Brees, Bre- oh my gosh, can't think of the guy's name. Is it? Bre- oh my gosh, can't think of his name. Anyway, they're running back, really good running back. I mean, just tough physical guy. Um, I'm gonna take Iowa State here uh, over Clemson. And then later on that evening, 9.15 on ESPN, the Valero Alamo Bowl from where else? The Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Number 14, Oregon versus number 16, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, four and a half point favorites. This was a tough pick simply because we're looking at two teams that are coachless. (laughs) You know, both teams will have interim coaches because I I doubt Venables is coaching. I mean, he's trying to set up everything. So, um, Thinking about this, I think Oregon is probably going to be a little bit more intact and probably, I won't say angrier. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take Oregon over Oklahoma in the Alamo in the Alamo Bowl. All right, December 30th. <laughs> wow, this couldn't have been set up any better. Two seasons ago they played. Now they meet again in the bowl game, North Carolina versus South Carolina. And, of course, what else? The Duke's Mayo Bowl. So, as I told you, I believe that this, the trophy for this freaking bowl literally has a thing of mayonnaise in it. And I think a couple years ago, um, the Wisconsin won it either last year. Or the, I think it's last year, year before. And they were in the locker room celebrating and he dropped the thing. There's mayonnaise everywhere. I'm going, why do you have mayonnaise in a freaking trophy? That is disgusting. Plus, we're playing in a mayonnaise bowl. Yay. <laughs> um uh, that's uh, 11 30 that, and that's an 11 30 a.m. kickoff on December 30th in Charlotte Bank of America Stadium Carolina seven point favorites I'll take uh, North Carolina I think South Carolina will give them a little bit of a game but I'm gonna take uh, the Tar Heels here all right 7 p.m. on December 30th the Chick-fil-a Peach Bowl so we start the New Year's six games here on December 30th Mercedes-Benz Stadium from Atlanta number 12 Pitt Versus number 10, Michigan State, one-point favorites. I'm going to take the – ooh, I'll take the Spartans. I'll take Sparty over Pittsburgh. All right, December 31st, 
11 a.m. start, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. What the hell is Tax Slayer? Can someone tell me what that is? But again, it used to be just the Gator Bowl. And of course, it's in Florida. I think it's in Jacksonville. Yeah, the game's in Jacksonville. 11 a.m., number 15, Wake Forest versus number 25, Texas A&M, who are seven-point favorites. I'm going to take the Aggies here. I mean, um, if you think about what A&M did to slow down Alabama, I think they can do the same thing to Wake. So we talk so much about uh, Wake's coach, Dave Clawson, you know, smart guy, ACC coach of the year, can scheme with the best of them or one of the best schemers in college football. But I think uh, Jimbo Fisher and Mike Elko are going to have a lot to throw at uh, this team, offensive side and defensive side of the ball, so I'll take A&M in that one. All right, now, same day. So remember, the college football semifinals are on New Year's Eve, so plan accordingly. Get your stuff together, have your drink ready, have your food ready. Just really just be ready to do this thing because um, 3.30. We start to stay at 3.30, and we're going to go until 11 o'clock. Okay, so... Um, first game of the semifinal, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic from Jerry's World in T- Arlington, Texas. Number four, Cincinnati versus number one, Alabama. Alabama are 13 half point favorites. I'm going to go with Bama um, in my heart. I hope Cincinnati can pull the upset. Now, if they did, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say a lot, but we're going to have to have some conversations. That's all I'm going to say. Um, 7.30, the Capital One Orange Bowl from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Number three, Georgia, seven and a half point favorites versus number two, Michigan. Mm, I'm going to take the Wolverines in this one. Um, not to say I don't want to see another Alabama-Georgia game, but I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, I didn't pick Michigan to be Ohio State, and they came out like their hair was on fire, and you saw how that game went. I mean, the game was... It was a tight contest, and then Michigan did some things and made this a game. But um, I kind of feel like Michigan is on a mission here. So I'm going to take Michigan to win the Capital One Orange Bowl. So your CFP finals will be Alabama-Michigan. And when do they play? I think that is on January the... 10th or something like that. I got to check the date here. Um, meanwhile, while I check that date, um, let's go to January 1st bowls. January 1st, uh, we got, okay, January 1st, uh, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, 1 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, that's number nine, Oklahoma State versus number five, Notre Dame. Notre Dame are two and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the Cowboys here. Um, I think it's going to be a closer game than you think. Um, I think Oklahoma State is still kind of feeling some kind of way after, you know, that, you know, that that loss. Um, You know, I mean, I'm talking I don't think I've ever seen a team lose a game in that way. Like, I mean, mere inches away from, you know, from winning you know, a, uh, a a conference title. So let's see. Um, Monday, January 10th is the CFP National Championship. Okay, so I'm going to hold off. Uh, I'm going to give you a prediction on the CFP Championship game, but um, I'll probably be wrong. And then at the same time, too, I am hoping to be 
back for season three by then. So I'd be like, hey, I'm back. Let's talk about CFP. Anyway, um, Michigan, Alabama. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to go with Michigan. <laughs> I'm, I'm riding the Michigan train right now. Again, not to say that Alabama's not worthy, not a good team, but I don't know. I just feel Michigan is kind of on a – they're on a mission, and I think this is the, this defense is really the thing that's driving the bus for them right now. Um, let's see. So January 1st, we continue. Oh, this one, I'm excited about this game, the Rose Bowl, Utah. Number 11, Utah versus number six, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl game. That's five o'clock on ESPN. Um, Ohio State are six and a half point favorites. I don't know. Again, this is one of those games where Utah's explosive, man. And I think this will be a close game. I like Ohio State over Utah. Finally, to end the night, so on New Year's Day, end your evening in New Orleans, the All-State Sugar Bowl, 845 on ESPN, number seven, Baylor, one and a half point favorites versus Ole Miss. I will take the Baylor Bears over Ole Miss. Um, this is going to be offense versus defense. I kind of think Dave Aran is going to have that defense up and ready to go against this Ole Miss offense who will now, I guess I guess Lane Kiffin is going to be calling the offensive plays and, or I don't know if he's named a, a, an offensive, a new offensive coordinator. I don't think he's done that yet, but – um, regardless, they're going to be ready, and I think um, they're going to throw everything at this um, Baylor defense in the Sugar Bowl. Um, we end always with dubs and L's. I don't have any L's this week, which is a little surprising because um, I feel like there's always something that's not quite right in the world of sports, but we'll take it for what it is. But my dub this week, and, and I talked about this in the last show, but I kind of want to just go back and reiterate it in a maybe a slightly different way. But um, I talked about Tiger Woods uh, playing in the PNC Championship, and I believe that, I don't know if I said this, it's going to be next week. He's going to be playing with his son, Charlie. And I think that is a dub for a very simple reason, that you know we know the severity of the accident that Tiger Woods was involved in. And with that said, you know, it's it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you kind of don't take for granted many things when you walk away from something like that. I mean, although, you know, it may be the thing that may end his career. We don't know yet. You know, he's a competitor. He's going to try to do everything he can to get back out there on the course to win. But I don't know. Um I think it's, you know, it, it it makes me feel good to see him being able to do the one thing that he's loved and to share that with his son because, you know, his, his son seems to have that same passion for the game. So, I mean, um, I don't know if it's going to be on TV. I might try to watch it or I'll just catch some highlights for sure. But that's definitely something that is definitely a win in so many ways because as we know, if you saw the photos of that wreckage, that could have totally gone the other direction. So, um, you know, hey, kudos to him. And of course, you know, me being a dad, you know, you want to definitely enjoy, you know, every moment you can with your kid in every cool possible way. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Friday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast. I appreciate you riding along with me. Um, thank you for listening. Um, we're going to try to put a bow in this season on Monday, so I got a lot of work to do to get this thing um, wrapped up for the second season. But, um, you know, I'll kind of maybe take a little time to, you know, make shout some folks out. And in the, in the last episode, that should be 117. So hopefully that'll be Monday is my hope. So we'll see how that goes. But um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'll be at you then. So remember Instagram, Twitter, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And until I see you for episode 117, take care of yourself, each other, Remember, protect yourself, get vaccinated, drink your water, and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.